What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three multiversal wall crawlers with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and my biggest fear is Willem Dafoe impaling me on his glider. I'm Keith Baker, and I wish I had as good as a hair transplant as Max. And I'm Austin Terry, and I wish we were discussing season two of The Witcher today. On today's show, we'll be discussing the newest addition to both the Spider-Man franchise and the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Spider-Man No Way Home. But before we get to that, Austin, is there anything else that we've been putting out that the audience should check out? Yeah, well, we did put out a festive holiday episode last week. We did another holiday bracket where we ran 12 holiday movies through our little competition and we debated what is the best holiday movie, at least for 2021. Before that, we also took a look at Tom Holland's run as Spider-Man up to this point. We also looked at Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's new musical, Tick, Tick, Boom. So lots of fun stuff on this show lately. If any of those piqued your interest, be sure to scroll on back and check those out. And with that, let's get into our main topic of the episode. Spider-Man has been a staple in comic books, video games, cartoons, live action films, and many more forms of media for 60 years. The character is the embodiment of optimism, strength, and responsibility in the face of personal and world-ending threats while trying to always help the little guy. Carrying on because it's the right thing to do, even when it's hard. Throughout our Spider-Man franchise rewatch this year, which you can check out in your podcast feeds like Austin mentioned, we saw these elements in the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire version. This character feels he has a responsibility to do more and be Spider-Man, even if it deteriorates his personal life and relationships. We saw more in Mark Webb and Andrew Garfield's version. This character allowed more to be close to him and didn't worry as much about his alter ego versus his superhero identity. But after countless loss, he realized how to move forward and be better in the face of that loss. And then, of course, we have the MCU and the Tom Holland version. In the midst of this huge universe that can take you to space to fight a giant purple alien at any moment, you have to find your niche and do your part, and in his case, be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It's been a fun journey covering these movies in the lead-up here. I love the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, and re-watching these movies truly reminded me how much. I feel like we've known about this new movie for years, and I can't believe it's finally here and we've seen it. So with that, let's of course not waste any more time. Austin and Keith, give me your expectations going in, as well as your non-spoiler thoughts on Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to not spoil anything here. Um, I'll say this. After our lead up into Spider-Man No Way Home, covering Tobey Maguire, Andrew, and Tom, I was so excited for this movie. I was probably, this is probably the most excited I've been for a movie all year, and it lived up to all of my expectations. I absolutely loved it. I had a blast in the theater. I was cheering. I was laughing. I was... Uh, getting emotional at some points. I thought Tom Holland was fantastic. I thought all of the characters they bring into the movie were awesome. Uh, His relationship with Zendaya and his friends, just everything going on in this movie really worked for me. I think it's one of the best Spider-Man movies they've put out in years, and I can't wait to see what they do with the future. Same for me, Austin. I mean, I I don't think I've ever been this excited for a Spider-Man movie or even uh, a Marvel movie in this long. It was was really fun. Uh, I I told you guys that I was going to break my rule and watch the trailers. But I did not. I did not break my rule. So I did not watch any trailers, read anything about it. I did accidentally see a spoiler on YouTube, which really pissed me off (laughs) an hour before I went to the movie. Uh, And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I saw a little video with a picture on it. I was like, no. (laughs) But yeah, I was so excited. I had a great time with the movie, like you said. They did such a great job of just mixing nostalgia with, you know, the newer Marvel uh, universe. Everything was so satisfying. Everything I was, you know... Hoping to happen, it all happened, and I think it wrapped up in a really cool way. This might be the most fun theater experience I've had since Endgame, too. Just the theater involvement where I saw the movie was awesome, too. Just the way the audience was reacting to everything. Yeah, very, very similar. Um, So cool. 
and I'm, I'm not the kind of guy, I don't really like theater involvement. I think it's kind of weird, but then some of these movies comes around like this and it's like, I'm, I'm a part of it. I mean, you, you have to be. It's just, there's something special about movies like Avengers Endgame and this, but yeah, I got to echo your guys' sentiments. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's been a while since all three of us were on the same page, but I thought this movie was awesome. I thought it's by far the best Tom Holland Spider-Man. I was kind of critical of Homecoming and I did actually like Far From Home, but to me, this blows both of those out of the water. And my biggest fear going in, which I mentioned on the Tom Holland episode, was I know clearly with the villains that they're showing off in the trailers, there's going to be a lot of focus on nostalgia and like celebrating Spider-Man in general in this movie. But I mean, is Tom Holland, since he's the lead, is he still going to have like a through line? Is he going to have his own personal journey while that's all going on? And I think this movie did a really admirable job of like combining both of those. It feels like Tom Holland's version of Peter and Spider-Man are on their own journey. And then there's still kind of this celebratory nature that's part of the main plot, but it doesn't feel like it ever overshadows like the emotional and serious aspects of his story following up for Far From Home. And I, yeah, I thought this movie had some just bonkers, amazing action, even though there was like rumors and trailers and all that stuff. I was still finding myself super surprised about a lot of things going on in this movie. And man, by the end, I just went on such a roller coaster, like you said, Austin. I was laughing. I was getting emotional at parts. I was cheering. I was clapping. And man, what they chose to do at the end, no spoilers, of course, I was like jaw like open. I was like, are you serious? They're doing like, what? What's going to happen? Like, I have zero concept of what they're going to do going forward, but I'm so excited to see. This movie was awesome. Yeah, I think this movie has the best Peter Parker story of any of Tom Holland's so far, which oh, was yeah. really cool to see. Yeah. I also loved how they were able to um, develop the villains even further than where they were in their, own, in their own movies. Like All the villains have their own really interesting character moments in this film, and I was not expecting that. I thought they were just going to be there for Tom Holland to fight. Um, yeah. So I, that, that was what surprised me the most, was how the villains were so involved in the story in a really meaningful and thoughtful way. Yeah, for sure. I enjoy that aspect as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a lot to say on this movie, clearly, but just out of fear of spoiling even the smallest thing, how about we go ahead, drop our official spoiler warning. If you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home. Go see it, people. Yeah, go see it. Go see it. Um, and then come on back to our episode and listen to the rest of it. We are excited. We're about to break everything down. My friends, let's get into it. We are here after the spoiler warning, and if you're lurking and you haven't seen this movie, we're going to warn you one last time because we're about to talk about the cast and crew, and yes, there are spoilers in that. So be prepared, be cautious, and Austin, start us off. All right, so Spider-Man No Way Home is directed by John Watts. Uh, he was an indie director before he entered the MCU, but he has now directed all three of Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies. And he will be returning to the MCU uh, to do the Fantastic Four. This movie is written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, and they have also worked on the past two Tom Holland Spider-Man films as well. Um, our musical score is composed by Michael Giacano. This is also his third Spider-Man outing, and he will be doing the score for the upcoming The Batman movie. And of course, based on characters created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Going into our cast, we have Tom Holland returning as Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. Zendaya as MJ. Jacob Batalon as Ned, Marissa Tomei as May, Aunt Bay, Aunt May, 
Jon Favreau as Happy. Benedict Cumberbatch is returning as Doctor Strange. Willem Dafoe is coming back as Norman Osborn, a.k.a. Green Goblin. Alfred Molina as Otto Octavius, a.k.a. Doc Ock. Jamie Foxx is returning as Max Dillon, a.k.a. Electro. Thomas Hayden Church is back as Flint Marco, a.k.a. Sandman. Reese Eifen is returning as Kurt Connors, a.k.a. Lizard. J.K. Simmons is back as J. Jonah Jameson. Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil. And then, of course, the biggest two. We have Andrew Garfield returning as Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. And, Austin, your favorite, <laughs> Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. And for the rest of the episode, guys, we have to call them Peter 2 and Peter 3. <laughs> Just kidding. It's going to get really hard. We can't do that. <laughs> All right, guys. There's our cast and crew. Any positives, negatives, what you got? I, I got to do two. I okay, got to do two fair. here. It's a special episode. You go for it. My main highlight for this film is Willem Dafoe as Norman mm. Osborn. I thought he was awesome. I thought he was good in the Sam Raimi ones, but it was really cool to see him kind of be a more modern Green Goblin in this one while still having that experience. I love how he switched between like the unassuming Norman and then when he is actually in that Green Goblin mode, he's terrifying, especially to, to see him interact with Tom Holland was awesome. And my other highlight is Tobey Maguire <gasps> as Peter Parker, yeah! a.k.a. Spider-Man. I thought he was awesome. He was so funny. I really loved the way he interacted, particularly with Andrew Garfield. I thought mm -hmm. that was awesome because they're older, they're more experienced. Yeah. Um, I liked how he kind of brought in some of his history with all these villains, as did Andrew Garfield. Uh, but he was really endearing to me in this one, and I think it's because we returned to his movies. I don't know why, but he really worked for me in this film. Awesome, awesome, That's awesome. awesome. I will say he did make the dopiest face when he walked through that portal. Though. He, did look, he did look a little goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Alfred Molina as Otto Octavius. It was such a cool intro back into him whenever you just see two, two or three of the, like, the arms come out of nowhere on the bridge. Man, it's like, it's like not even a day passed by since last time we saw him in Spider-Man 2. You know what? Another one I'll shout out uh, Marissa Tomei as May. She was great. She kind of went into the Uncle Ben role and... Did the famous line uh, to Peter about responsibility. Um, yeah, that was just really cool. And it was, it was sad to see her go. I was really happy they found a way to have her more involved in this story. Um, and, and really, I think you can say that for all this cast. Like Everybody has a meaningful way to be involved in this story. And it's awesome because it's such a huge cast. Oh, man, this is tough. All right. At least from the crew side, I got to call out Michael Giacchino with the score. It was incredible. And I was getting like chills and goosebumps whenever that part of the score kicked in that was like a combination of Danny Elfman's Tobey Maguire score, like the James Horner, Hans Zimmer, Andrew Garfield score, and then whenever it combined the Michael Giacchino, like Tom Holland, like classic Spider-Man cartoon theme. I don't know how they got all three of those in and it sound cohesive, but that was incredible. That was yeah, so it's good. awesome. Yeah, awesome. Really awesome, cool. awesome. I like that they worked in some of the themes for the villains too, whenever yeah. they had their moments. It was cool. That was cool. I like that a lot. Um, and then on the cast side, I mean, there's too many to count, but of course, you know, Dr. Strange always loves seeing him, but you know what, if we're going to call out all the Spider-Mans, then I'll call out Andrew Garfield. Um, I thought he was a blast. I think he was used in a great way. I think we got to know his Peter a little bit more and I like seeing where he's been since the end of the amazing Spider-Man two. And it went to kind of a dark place that I wasn't expecting. Um, and his Spider-Man really shown through, which I was expecting based on, you know, how much we liked his Spider-Man in the other movies. My only slight negative with him, and I'm really curious how you guys feel about this, I kind of mentioned this to Keith, is 
I thought Tom Holland's Spider-Man felt very in continuity. And then Toby's, whether you hate his Peter Parker or love it, I thought in this one, it felt like a very natural like evolution. Like he was very endearing, like Austin said. He was almost kind of like a Zen master in a weird way because he's the most mature and experienced Spider-Man. I did think Andrew's got a little goofy at times in a way that he wasn't in the other ones. Yeah, I felt that too. He didn't feel like that uh, like that punk rocker that, he, that yeah. we talked about whenever we were watching his two. Yeah, like whenever he was like, I love you guys. Like it was funny, but I was like, would he do that? And then I was trying to think back to the other movies and it kind of took me out a little bit. But his performance was still great. He was awesome. I really liked how he talked about how Gwen's death like really rattled him and he stopped pulling his punches. And all I could think was like, man, I really want to see that movie. Like yeah, it sounded so right. cool. Was he killing people? Like, I don't know, but it sounds kind of scary. <laughs> Whenever he talks about Rhino later, like it just cuts to Paul Giamatti just like with a hole in his head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm sure we'll talk about the cast more as we uh, move on here, but let's go ahead and check in on what the critics thought about Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, no surprise. They're very positive. Spider-Man No Way Home currently has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, with the critical consensus being a bigger, bolder Spider-Man sequel. No Way Home expands the franchise's scope and stakes without losing sight of its humor and heart. Positive reviews focused on the film's performances, emotional beats, more visceral action sequences, and the fact that the last 20 years of Spider-Man was honored um, in an effective way. Many called it the best of the Home trilogy, since a balance being connected to the MCU with telling its own story that has an emotional core. The trio of Holland, Zendaya, and Batalon received universal praise, and finally Maguire and Garfield, along with their respective villains, were universal highlights. The negative review is mostly focused on the bare-bones plot, long runtime, and limited character development due to the huge cast. Some felt the middle act dragged between the final introduction of the villains and the return of the past Spider-Mans. A few reviewers felt we were retreading too much familiar ground with characters we already know from past iterations of the character, so some reveals felt like misdirection. And some felt the CGI and practical effects were serviceable, but nothing to write home about. All right. So what'd you guys think? I disagree with every single negative call out there. <laughs> uh, like we talked about in the intro, I, everybody gets developed in this movie. I think every single character yeah. has a nice moment and they feel like they've grown either from their past movies or from the other Holland movies. And even though we are retreading some familiar ground, we still get to see new things from these characters or from Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. So... I honestly don't know how they pulled it off, because even five years ago, the thought of doing the multiverse, bringing in other actors that played Spider-Man would have been seen as too confusing for audiences. It felt and flowed fine um, in these movies. And all, I felt like all the actors did a good job of explaining like who they were and why maybe if, if you haven't seen these movies recently, you could still get a sense of, of what happened to them in their old films. Yeah, one thing I definitely disagreed with on the, uh, the negative side was they said the that some felt the middle act drag between the final introduction of the villains and the return of the past Spider-Mans. I don't mm -hmm. think so at all. I feel like that was some of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, me neither. It flew by. It's like two and a half hours and I barely noticed. I obviously, I, I guess I can see some of the negatives. Like the plot really just is like, I'm going to cure these villains and then that's kind of it. Uh, sure, it's long, but like I said, I didn't really feel it. And yeah, it's limited character development, but I don't think so for the main cast. And then for the returning players, sure, you get like a couple moments, but it's still development. So I think they still managed to give everybody something, even characters that they didn't really clearly care about, like Lizard and Sandman. They had something. So, you know, it, it's better than nothing. So I'll take it. And then I also quite enjoyed the CGI and practical effects more than a lot of the MCU movies, which I think just looks so green screen and blue screen more than I would like it to. So. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I'm definitely on the positive side this time around. 
All right, guys, let's go ahead and go a little bit deeper. Let's get into our roundtable discussion and break this all down. We each brought some points we wanted to talk about. So who wants to start us off? All right, so this movie picks up the second where Spider-Man Far From Home left off. We get J. Jonah Jameson's revealing that Spider-Man is Peter Parker um, and, and shows that Mysterio footage. And this is really my only negative for the movie, but did Mysterio framing Peter for his murder kind of get lost in this grander plot? I was always expecting more fallout from the fact that the whole world now knows Spider-Man has access to this intense drone system, and they also all think he's evil now. And that really, like, nothing really seemed to come of that part of uh, Mysterio's plan. Was it a problem for me? I guess I guess it wasn't really a problem for me, but did it get lost for sure? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of went away after that. I guess it was more, they did it really quickly in like the opening 20, 30 seconds of the movie, I guess just to set up that, yeah, his identity's out. But yeah, you're right, Austin. They really didn't go anywhere else with that. They didn't bring Mysterio back in. And they they did a good job of the whole world knowing Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Like that was definitely a main thing that they did through the whole movie. But it's just the fact that he was also framed for murder and, and now... It looks like he's a really dangerous supervillain, and like nothing came from that part of Mysterio's plan. Yeah, and I feel like I use this phrase a lot when talking about the MCU. There's a give and take. Because everything's connected, some things feel goofy, that's the take, but you still get awesome stuff, so that's the give. This has like the best example of that when talking about the Mysterio reveal. And like you said, Austin, not that's not the important part of the reveal. The, re- the important part is that the world perceives him to be a murderer, or at least yeah. a lot of people do. And... It's pretty damn cool to have Charlie Cox come in as Matt Murdock from the Netflix Daredevil show. And it's just great to see him. But the obvious take is just that oh, I'm a great lawyer. I got I got rid of that. You're good, Peter. It's like it's kind of goofy, but it's almost like they're distracting you with something really cool. So you don't worry about it. Um, I will at least say, obviously, the plot still has direct fallout from that, like the college applications. And I wasn't expecting like. MJ and Ned to not be able to basically go to school because they're associated with Peter and Spider-Man. So watching that play into the plot. And then, of course, that leads to the Doctor Strange spell. Like, I wish everybody could forget. Um, and then, of course, we'll get to the ending whenever they basically do the same spell, but the inverse. So there were still elements of it. But I agree with you, like the opening 20 minutes does kind of like, you know, we're doing multiverse stuff. So we're not going to worry as much about the Mysterio thing from the last movie. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you just said. It, it still is very weird, though, that the biggest fallout from the fact that Peter Parker might be a murderer is his college applications get rejected. It, <laughs> it just felt like there should be should have been more stuff there with that side of kind of, of the plot. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess we'll get into it later with, when we talk about the ending, but if it ends off with Peter, you know, no one knows who Peter, that Peter is Spider-Man. Well, that gets, that goes for Mysterio, too. Well, Mysterio's dead. Well, remember that his assistant still took all, like, the illusions. Like, he downloaded all the drone tech, which would have the footage. That was something I was wondering about, Keith. Like, pictures of Peter or, like, MJ's phone. Let's say she has, like, pictures of her and Peter together. Does, like, that stuff get wiped away, too? I think it would because if you go further enough back in her life, she doesn't know like she doesn't know who Peter is, so she would have never had those moments with him. So right. retroactively, she wouldn't have those photos. Mm. Yeah. So I guess yeah, Mysterio didn't yeah really matter in this one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Well, so I think uh, the natural place to go next is just talking about the rest of the first act in general. You know, we mentioned Doctor Strange. What do we think of his inclusion? And of course, like we mentioned, because of the fallout of Mysterio, that leads to. Peter asking him to cast a spell that will cause the world to forget that he is Spider-Man. What do we think of all that good stuff? Yeah, I guess see, the inclusion of Doctor Strange just made me more excited for another Doctor Strange movie. Absolutely, uh, me too. It was so cool to see the the whole trippy 
spell scenes, the portal stuff, like the all the the buildings and and dimensions collapsing on one in on one another. I always thought that stuff was so cool, and it's kind of cool to see Spider Man involved in that. But Benedict Cumberbatch is always is really cool coming back as uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, his involvement was really fun. I was surprised at how willing he was to do the spell originally. Like it didn't really take a lot of yeah. convincing to get him to do it. And usually he's kind of against tampering with stuff like that. I felt that too. Um, part of me was like, I think going back to the first Doctor Strange movie, there is an element to him. Like, if you just want to simplify it, it's like 50% of him is against tampering, but then 50% of him wants to prove that he can do something kind of crazy and big. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a little bit goofy. Part of me was wondering, is there going to be like some twist associated with Doctor Strange? I'm glad there wasn't by the end. But yeah, it didn't really take too much convincing <laughs> to get him to do it. I need to go back and rewatch the first Doctor Strange because I forget like the whole hierarchy of the wizard world that he's in. Like, because he mentioned something about, well, don't, as long as Wong doesn't find out, we'll be all right. So it's like Wong going to like tattletale on him and go like tell the the Tilda Swinton character. Well, spoiler, she died, Keith. But yeah, I oh, guess she go did? back and watch go back and watch that Doctor Strange. See, movie. <laughs> I can't remember any of this shit. I can't remember that's why I have you guys, because I can't remember this shit. <laughs> but uh to that point, Keith, yeah, I was wondering like, yeah, why does it really matter if Wong finds out? I I've always really liked um the Wong and Strange relationship, but that was kind of weird to me. But then I thought back and I thought it was such a fun little like world building moment wherever they revealed that Wong is actually now the Sorcerer Supreme because Steven was gone for five years in the blip, so they gave that mantle to somebody else. So now, if, like, if Wong finds out, maybe he could actually get in trouble for doing something kind of tampery and crazy. I really want to know how that relationship is going to play into the second Doctor Strange movie, oh, if he's wait. not the Sorcerer Supreme. Of course, we've talked a lot about Doctor Strange and the spell, but what does the spell do? It causes some of our old favorite baddies to come on in, guys. So what do we think? I mean, obviously a lot of this episode is going to be talking about the villains, but they start pouring in one by one. How'd that work for you? I think my favorite villain moment, of at least in their intros, was actually the Sandman moment. How he mm. protects Peter Parker that was cool. and thinks it's Tobey Maguire because they, you know, they had that relationship at the end of Spider-Man 3. So I yeah. thought that was awesome. And all the intros are so good, it's hard to pick one. But right off the bat with Doc Ock, like I said earlier, with his his arms coming out, and you just knew it was coming. Alfred Lumina's face coming on the big screen again was so satisfying to watch. And then, uh, man, there was one moment that I was like, that, that you know is a good callback to Spider-Man 2 because he took one of his arms and put it on uh, like Peter's jaw, just like he did, like the same, same exact way with Tobey Maguire. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was just kind of cool to see them do the same exact moves as they did in Spider-Man 2. And then Green Goblin coming in, we can get into that oh, so much man. deeper. <laughs> if you guys want to start <laughs> off with that. Just I was so laugh. happy he immediately destroyed his shitty costume, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They gave us one scene just so you knew who it was, and then they were like, Kevin Feige was like, we're not using that. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I was just like an assistant producer on the first Spider-Man movie, and I hated it then, but now that I'm in charge, <laughs> he's going to destroy it. Wait, are you, are you sure you don't want to see my mouth moving behind my mask? Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. It is hard to pick. I got to say, I was actually kind of nervous watching the trailers and seeing the Doc Ock Spider-Man fight, like some of the clips, because I just thought like the CG looked off in this. It was a badass fight, like the way that it reminded me, Austin, of like the PS4 game, like watching Spider-Man have to fight and maneuver around like Doc Ock's arms and how cool that can be. And then, of course, even though this is the MCU, my initial thought isn't, 
oh yeah, he's wearing his iron spider suit where he has four arms. And then those pop out and they start fighting. Oh God, it was so cool. I loved it. So much fun. I really like the moment when you see him carrying uh, Spider-Man in one of his arms and he's also doing stuff with the other two. Like That was the moment that also felt like the PS4 game, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have to disregard all those because my favorite introduction was the lizard when he was just in prison already. <laughs> no, just kidding. Sorry, Lizzie. He got the shaft in this one. They did him a little dirty in this one, but that's okay. He was kind of shitty in the Amazing Spider-Man one. It was kind of comedic relief because again, they, they, they basically just doubled down on, I want to turn everybody into lizards. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you guys think of Electro, Jamie Foxx coming back? I thought it was a... Some some things were a little off with it, like that he had yeah. hair this time. I like that they acknowledged that too. He's like, I want to be in this universe. I'm looking good. Yeah, he had hair. He he went to the gym. He had like muscles now. <laughs> like, what's going What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes you. How does Electro work? <laughs> he can just change his body. That was goofy. The other thing Keith, you and I were talking about is clearly it's. I think Jimmy Fox was having fun. I mean, he clearly was happy to be there, but at the same time. There's very little continuity between yeah. the last version of Electro and this one. In this one, he's just playing Jamie Foxx. And I love Jamie Foxx, so it's exciting, but it's not the same character at all. Like I kind of talked about in the intro, I was really surprised that the villains weren't just there for Tom Hall in the fight. That it, it kind of became something more of he's going to try to cure each one of them. I, I didn't know that was going to happen in this movie. So what did you guys think about that shift of, for a good portion of this movie, all of them are kind of working together? Oh, I liked it a lot. All the villains in all these Spider-Man movies were all good guys to begin with. They were all not evil people. Yeah, the worst the worst of the bunch is Sandman, but he was really just like a petty crook. And then, of course, they reveal he accidentally killed somebody, but that was the worst of the bunch for sure. I didn't expect the cure element of it. I thought it was pretty cool. I think we'll get into some of the, I don't want to call it time travel, but just like multiverse displacement type stuff later and how that all works. But... I did like kind of the May and Peter conversation, which I think happens right when um, he's trying to round up Norman, who seems to be the last of the people he needs to get. And that kind of spurs the conversation of, I got to send him back. And then she's like, but it's your responsibility. Like, they're here. Like, just sending them back. And regardless if they're going to die, that's like, I like how Peter kept using the phrase, it's not my responsibility. Um, I thought that was like a, a good natural evolution of the character in Far From Home, who was like wanting to take a break and stuff like that. And then May was the one that kind of pushed him. No, I mean, you got to think about that. Got to be better, do better because it's the right thing. And then watching Peter over like the next few minutes of the movie after he talks to Strange again, he makes that decision to kind of go against Doctor Strange and he's going to cure them. I thought it was cool. And I liked that Peter, I think the best decision there was Peter didn't know what would happen. It was just like. Maybe if I cure them, that'll change their fate when they go back. He doesn't know that for sure, but he's going to try because it might. And I really like that small element of it that really added to Peter's character. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed seeing him work on these cares with Norman. I that thought was that cool. was an awesome moment before he flipped back to Goblin. Um, and, and I like the fact that he actually was able to cure Doc Ock on his own by fixing. Like that felt like something Peter Parker in this universe would know how to do because of all the tech stuff with Iron Man. So I, w I was glad he did, kind of did that first. Yeah, I think it was a super smart decision to cure Otto and then hold off on Norman and have him become Goblin again because he got so many good Goblin moments with his new costume, hood costume. Dude, he kicks Peter Parker's ass in that first fight scene, and it was awesome to watch. That's important to call out because I think it's hard to remember sometimes that Norman does have, you know, 
super strength akin to somebody like Spider-Man. And we saw it in the Raimi movie, like when the way at the end he's throwing Peter through like brick walls and stuff like that. He's definitely strong. But with like modern technology, we see that in spades here. And wow, that scene was incredible. And Keith, we got to talk about it because we'll get to our number one favorite uh, moment of the movie later. But number two was the scene. And this was like the, my first like uh, realization that the action scenes were going to be more visceral in this movie and like hand to hand when Peter is like kind of like his legs are wrapped around Norman and he's like above him and he's punching him like really hard in the face. And each time he punches him, Willem Dafoe starts smiling more was that was awesome. Awesome. So creepy. So good. And they're just throwing each other through like floors of this building. It was scary, but like weirdly awesome at the same time. It was really cool too when Lizard grabbed him and threw him back towards Norman. And then Norman kind of shoved him down through like five more stories. That that might be one of my favorite fights into the movie. It was so cool. And it, it was just really cool to see Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn in like a modern day action scene as the Green Goblin. I like I was just smiling for that whole scene, even though we're watching our hero get his ass kicked. Yeah. And even though Willem Dafoe's in his late 60s now, he uh, said in an interview that the whenever they asked him to be in this movie, he said he would not do it unless they would let him do his own stunts like he did in the very first movie. So he's doing a lot of that stuff again. So good for him. Oh, that's awesome. I will I will say again, another I think a common little mini podcast within a podcast we'll have today is what were you thinking with Lizard Marvel? Another one is why they think it was OK to leave him in a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I don't know who this guy is, I think I would say he can probably get out of that. So, you know, we talked about that incredible goblin and Peter Parker fight, um, which goes from like the top floor of an apartment all the way down to the ground floor by throwing each other through the floors and fighting. And it's intense and awesome. Um, and that leads to the bottom floor where Aunt May is trying to escape with the supposed, I suppose, like anti-serum for Norman Osborn. And he gets on that glider, throws a bomb in there, hits her with the glider. She's also caught in the explosion and everything seems OK for a minute. Whenever she gets up and, of course, delivers the with great power comes great responsibility line to kind of further put home. Peter, you weren't wrong to try and help them. You did the right thing. Keep it up. But then, unfortunately, she passes in a very emotional scene. I mean, did this work for you guys? I'm assuming it did. I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. I thought it was awesome. Like I kind of said earlier, I, I love that they put her in the Ben Parker role since we didn't get that with this uh, version of Spider-Man. This totally caught me off guard. I was not expecting Aunt May to die in this one. And I, I really liked how it informed uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker kind of for the rest of the movie. He's not himself after this. This really affects him. And it was cool to see him get a little darker um, after this moment. Yeah. I guess it was almost necessary since the, the other two franchises did have their significant, you know, guardian, whether it was uncle or aunt, die. So I guess it was bound to happen in this one, but I was still shocked that it did happen. Man, I was really rooting for Aunt May and Happy to be get to be together. So I was I was yeah. really sad for Happy as well. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was a great display of like just Tom Holland, Marissa Tomei's acting as well. I like that they stayed on it on the moment longer than you might expect, where he's like, you know, stay with me. He even at one point is like, why are you doing this? Like, wake up. Like, I mean, it was, yeah, great acting. I know sometimes people are like, you know, you know overacting or like the most acting deserves praise or whatever. But I mean, I, I just thought it was very 
perfect for the moment because, you know, Aunt May got a lot of screen time in these last two movies and they built up that relationship in a very real way. And their rapport was very different from the last two iterations. And yeah, seeing her go as opposed to somebody else was uh, quite surprising and very powerful. And I, I liked how it impacted his future conversations with Toby and Andrew's Spider-Man because they're also both like they're both dealing with loss, too. So it was cool to see that kind of the only person that can understand him are the other Peter Parkers. Yeah, well, Austin's perfect timing. Should we bring them into the conversation? So Toby and Andrew are here, my friends. They made it into the movie. They got all the scheduling worked out. They were able to appear. <laughs> Let's run through some of our favorite moments. And neither one of their final films were all that well received. So did they kind of get some redemption in coming back to the Spider-Man role in this movie? Their introductions were so awesome. It's a, it's a cool Peter Parker awkwardness kind of way to bring them in. And... Uh, yeah, it was just so fun. And man, going back to the theater experience, goosebumps were going through my body. And then everybody in the crowd was just like, yeah, like cheering every time <laughs> each one came in. So it was such a cool uh, theater experience as well to watch him come in. They nailed the dynamics right off the bat. Whenever Andrew comes in and pulls off his mask, it's like not only is it Andrew Garfield, but it's like he's being his version of Peter Parker. And then when Toby comes in, I love when he's like, I just came through. It turns around the portals. guy's like, oh, it closed. And then like. He sees that uh, Ned's mom or grandmother's waving and he does like the classic like wave and <laughs> smile. Like It's just like, OK, these are the same characters that we know. And to answer, I think, that big question there, Austin, I think undoubtedly these guys got a little bit of well-deserved redemption after each of their respective last outings. It felt like not only a greatest hits for each of them, but they each got not only really fun moments, all three interacting, but also some really sweet and dramatic and funny like individual moments uh, that gave us a little bit of continuity for where they've been and what they've been doing since. So I'm assuming we're never going to get a Spider-Man 4 or the Amazing Spider-Man 3. They did, you know, drop a little bit of seeds in how they've been doing since then. Like, you know, they directly say that uh, Toby's Peter is still with MJ and, you know, it's not always easy. It's complicated um, balancing that life that we saw him do in three movies, but they've seemed to have found a way to do that. Whereas Andrew, who is more um, wanting to be Spider-Man, he's kind of left his Peter Parker persona behind a little bit after the death of Gwen Stacy. He kind of learns that maybe there is a way to balance it out after talking to these Spider-Men. So they did a really good job of not only, you know, like I said at the beginning, telling Tom Holland's Spider-Man story, but they gave us a little bit of like a mini uh, continuation for each of these other guys. With Andrew Spider-Man in particular, I liked, I don't remember what he got asked, but I like the line where he said, no, that's that's Peter stuff. I don't I don't have time for that. Like I I'm just Spider Man now. I thought that was so fitting for where he was in those first two movies. Um, in particular, I was just really happy for Andrew Garfield because neither one of his movies were very well received, and and Tobey Maguire's first two were. And Andrew's talked about how how badly he wanted those movies to do well and how much he loves the character. So seeing him back in the Spider Man suit for me was awesome. I think in my theater they went crazier for Andrew than it is for Toby, which yeah. I was surprised for. Yeah. Um, and I really like the moment with Zendaya where she makes him prove it and he's like hanging from the ceiling and just so <laughs> funny. I just, his, his Spider-Man's kind of quirky and I, I really like it. I think I might know Matt's favorite moment in this movie though. And it's gotta be Andrew Garfield popping Toby yep. Maguire's back. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> That's not like my number one moment I mentioned earlier, but my favorite like little there moment they had, I was telling Keith, I was like, oh, oh Keith, you have to tell this story too. A no joke before we walked into the theater I was like we were just joking about like 
all the little references they'll make and stuff like that. Of course, we got Willem Dafoe in a prison cell going, well, I'm something of a scientist myself. And we got <laughs> Alfred Molina going, the power of the sun in the palm of my hands. We were just joking. What other lines will we get? And then it was like, oh, we'll probably get Toby like, oh, my back. And right when he got to the scene where Toby was stretching, Keith turned to me and just goes, oh, my back. The second he finished saying, Toby McGuire goes, oh, my back. <laughs> <laughs> and then watching him pop it was, that's, who would have ever thought we'd see that on live action? So cool. I think that's the craziest moment for me is that we have Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, Toby Maguire as Peter Parker, and they're doing stretches and popping each other's back. <laughs> Nobody would have ever predicted that as a cinematic moment. No way. I love the the little therapy session they had with Andrew Garfield, Spider Man yes. too. He's like Peter whenever Toby Maguire's like, You gotta you gotta improve that self talk. I mean, we'll work on it. We'll get there. You're amazing. You are amazing. He's like, Really? Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that they acknowledge uh, that Tobey Maguire's webs are organic and of they both course, have the web yes. shooters. Yes. Does it come out of anywhere else? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they did that line. I think we should talk a little bit about the more emotional scene right before they start, you know, kind of working together whenever they show up to Peter, who's, you know, at the school on the roof and crying, obviously, and Ned and MJ come to comfort him. And then I, I really, really loved um, how they handled this scene of them dropping down and Tom's Peter like isn't even surprised. He doesn't even care that other Spider-Men are here. He like kind of, I guess, assumes it because the villains are here. And then whenever they're like, we know what you've been through. He's like, oh, fuck off. No, you don't. I don't want to hear that. Just go home. I'm sending you home. Sorry I brought you into this. And then how they do slowly kind of like kind of confirm we actually do know what you're going through. And here's why. Here's what happened to us. And we can do this or something like that. that was just such a really emotional scene, but just really good. Really good. Yeah. I was glad that they actually spent time building all three of theirs relationship because it would have been really easy to just have them be like, oh, all three of us are Spider-Man. We can do it. We'll save the day. But I was I, they spent like 30 minutes actually developing how they interact, how they help each other, um, what they've all been through in their worlds. And it, it definitely made by the time they're all fighting together in the final scene, it made all of that feel more natural because we spent so much time developing all three of them together. Man, I love that shot whenever Zendaya was like, well, there's some guys here to see you. And then it, sh it pans up oh. to the building and it's mm -hmm. dark. And you just see Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man hanging off the building and then Toby Spider-Man just squatting. And look, it was a cheap shot. It was easy to do, but it was hype as hell whenever uh, uh, Tom's Peter was like, and you know, she always told me with great power. And it just cuts to Toby's face and the realization there comes great responsibility. I was like, Yes. Then they both reference Uncle Ben, and then you see Tom's reaction. Even though we haven't seen Uncle Ben, it's still powerful, and just the full circle moment was was perfect. I did I did find it a little bit funny whenever Andrew nodded. He was like, yeah, Uncle Ben always said that. And in my head, I was like, no, he didn't. You know what he did say? When you have um, abilities, you have a moral obligation to use them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the timing of which the multiverse characters were pulled out of their universes was a bit confusing. All the villains were pulled during like the climax of their fights with their Spider-Mans. But then Andrew and Toby were pulled out of the time after all of their movies have passed. And they're all the older, wiser Spider-Mans that they, they, that they are in this movie. Was that kind of confusing which, how the timing worked out? Yes. In short, yeah. Definitely for me. Um, Austin, I mean, did that stand out to you as well? 
I didn't really think about it while I was watching the movie. I, I think it's kind of just one of those things you have to overlook just for mm-hmm. the purpose of this movie because it just wouldn't, it would have been harder to tell the story they told with this one if they had all been pulled out at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I think there was even, the only thing that kind of annoyed me is there was lines that were contradicting it. At one point, it's like, oh yeah, they're face to die fighting Spider-Man, but then Doctor Strange references the reason the people are coming through is because Peter tampered with the spell. So now people that know Peter Parker as Spider-Man are coming through. But we see at the end, Electro doesn't know uh, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So there was just like weird, like contradicting things happening. Um, And then again, I was like, but Lizard and Sandman didn't die fighting Spider-Man. But then Lizard also has a lie when they're in prison. He was like talking to Max. He was like, Max, do we do you know if I died? So then it's like, so when was he pulled out? So I'm kind of with you, Austin. It's not something I really thought about actively watching the movie, but it was kind of weird reflecting back on it because they were almost contradicting themselves at times. And I don't understand the ending either. When they go back cured, are they not going to die? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird timeline thing to think about, too, because if if uh, if Andrew and Toby both got pulled out after all their movies have happened, would they not remember the villains disappearing in their final battle? Because it would have, it would have happened right. back in time. But it's right. it's very confusing when you actually think about how this like logically works. Right. Is it were they trying to do like a big happy ending? Because if Norman is cured and he goes back to the moment before he died, he won't press the button to make the glider come kill him. So then I guess he can convince Peter that he's cured now, which would mean Harry never becomes Green Goblin. So then when older Toby goes back to <laughs> his time when he's like, you know, older and married to MJ. Is Harry alive? Is Harry still trying to steal MJ from him? <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, is Norman still at Oscorp? So it does, it begs a lot of questions that I guess since they didn't show us any of it, we don't have to worry about it too much. But yeah, I think in short, Keith, uh, it they could have done that better. They could have made it a little bit more streamlined, I think. I guess in, Andrew, in Andrew's world, uh, Gwen is still going to die because that Green Goblin did not get pulled into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's just get into the ending and go into the final battle, and and let's talk about how everything wrapped up. I mean, just a combination of awesome with the final battle, then the whole epilogue, completely surprising. But to focus on the final battle, I mean, what's there to say? It was incredible. It was so fun seeing all these villains come back in, watching at some points their respective Spider-Mans fight them, and then at other moments you're watching Tobey Maguire fight Andrew Garfield's lizard and it's just like kind of a cool fun crossover uh I mean I have a lot to say about it but Austin how about you jump in I mean I thought it was so awesome it was really fun seeing all three of them learn to fight together Mm -hmm. and the moment when they're all swinging in unison and they land one by one in their different poses was maybe one of my favorite shots of the film it was so cool that's the moment I was referencing. Uh, I know, Keith, you felt the same way. Even going back before that, uh, whenever they're like, I don't know how to work as a team. And then Toby and Andrew, they're like, yeah, me neither. And then Tom like, well, I do, guys. I don't want to brag, but I'm an Avenger. And another classic Toby Zed moment. An Avenger? That's great. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> but right after, it's like, well, working as a team, we got to pick one target and go after them. Watching them run together with their masks on, jump off, and you hear Toby and Andrew do their respective like from the movies was Mm -hmm. impeccable it was so great you know one moment that really stands out for me is whenever tom is going at it with uh willem dafoe's green goblin and he's about to kill him with his glider and toby stops him i thought that was such a cool moment it was really cool seeing tom holland go darker 
with his Peter in this movie because we haven't seen that from him in the MCU. He's always kind of been the happy, excited to be their kid. Great ending to it. I mean, there's too many little individual moments to count. Um, just watching uh, them plan to take Sandman out at the top of the Statue of Liberty and Toby goes up there, but then whoever's holding the cure at the time gets like uh, knocked out of the way. So then the sand is filling up and we're watching like Toby Maguire start to like suffocate in the sand and watching i think andrew garfield slow-mo throw the cure through the little slit and you see his hand reach out and grab it and then they get that their sweet little moment where he unmasks and you get to see him like uh flint gets to see the spider-man that he knows and it's like we're gonna get you home like tons of great little moments like that of like when the cures are actually happening i thought um the direct callback got me uh another chills moment wherever we see toby and uh doc ock talking and it's like all grown up um, and then, you know, trying to do better, calling back to that line. And with that, I did like that Doc Ock, because he got cured early on, like helped them in the final fight. That was awesome. I'm glad he didn't revert like after he fell or something and it broke. Yeah, yeah. They, that's another great example, like you mentioned at the beginning. It's just they really did find an interesting way to have the villains continue their development and not necessarily all in evil ways. You know, we get to see at the end of Spider-Man 2, you know, Doc Ock does have his like um moment where he overcomes the arms and he ends up saving the day and this movie kind of feels like a natural little continuation or even like an epilogue to that in a weird way so i thought that was really cool my one nitpick um i really thought we were gonna get it i i kind of think maybe there's a deleted scene but after um toby gets stabbed with the glider and then andrew flings the cure and then they you know get um the anti-serum or whatever into norman and then they're both laying there I thought it would have been cool to have at least one line between Norman and Toby because there wasn't anything in the movie, really. That was my one gripe. Even that quick moment we got between Toby and Doc Ock, um, I thought we were going to get something similar between him and Norman because they had a very close relationship in Spider-Man 1. So that's my little nitpick. Of course, the movie gave us so many things, so I'm not going to complain about it. I was just surprised that they didn't really have much of a conversation at all. It would have been cool to see them reference Harry. I, that's what I thought we were going to get, honestly. I did think it was funny since we've been talking about how much Lizard got the shaft in this movie. I did think it was really funny when they were developing the cures. And Andrew's like, I got Kirk Connors. I've done it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have to talk about like Norman a bit more. But Lizard's like, eh, who cares? <laughs> it would have been funny. He's like, he sucks. It's fine. <laughs> Guys, we almost forgot about like the big moment of the movie that everybody's talking about. Uh, of course, through some kind of comical means. Actually, it's another lizard moment. <laughs> another lizard uh, chases MJ and Ned through the portal, which, of course, has to force them into the final battle. We see the Captain America shield fall, breaks the Statue of Liberty. Tom goes for the classic slow-mo save of MJ, who fell, tries to grab her. It's a scene very reminiscent of how they shot it, with like looking at her face and her like slow-mo reaction, just like Gwen Stacy. But Norman Osborn comes and swoops him out of the way. But who's there to save her? It's Andrew Garfield, baby. He gets his redemption. That was an awesome moment. That was so cool that they did it like that. Yeah, he was crying and everything. It's funny when they landed, too. And he's like, are you OK? And she's like, are you OK? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the perfect cap off to his character, too, because you know they were talking about balancing the Peter Parker and Spider-Man thing earlier. This makes you go, I think he's going to be OK. Okay, so before before we start wrapping things up, we do have to talk about the final spell from Doctor Strange. The whole world forgets that Peter Parker exists. I thought this was such a great moment. Um, like seeing the multiverse just completely open up was crazy. And it kind of looked like What If, which was cool. Yeah, 
and the finale of Loki, the way they showed like the, like the kind of the same color a little bit of uh, that stuff. So that was kind of cool. But um, watching that happen, watching Doctor Strange struggling, which reminded me of the What If episode also, the way he's just like trying to keep everything from like going to shit. Um, and then I liked that it was Peter's suggestion, you know, to, okay, well, if we just did the inverse of the spell, what if everybody forgets that I'm Peter Parker? Everybody forgets that I exist. And Doctor Strange doesn't want to do it. I was like, oh, man, such a crazy moment. Um, and I think the reason I loved it most is because it kind of calls back to my more negative thoughts on Homecoming and Far From Home. And I talked more positively about the Raimi movies and even the Mark Webb movies because I was like, I think this version of Peter Parker and Spider-Man is more true to that when it comes to the balance and stuff. Thinking about Spider-Man too, like everything that Peter sacrificed in order to try and do the right thing and be Spider-Man and save people, even though that like caused rifts in his personal life. I mean, this might be the best example of any of that. He gives up his own existence to like save his friends and family and ostensibly maybe not even the world. It's just he's preventing more people from getting hurt at the cost of his own life. And just, I mean, that's like the biggest sacrifice we've ever seen. And it was it was really powerful, I thought. I like that it was his idea to yeah. do that too. Like he made that choice. And I like that he got those final moments with Ned and MJ and they got to say the goodbyes, which is also really emotional. Um, I definitely did not expect this movie to end with basically his life kind of resetting. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see where they go in the future. I'm, I'm really excited to see that maybe now that we've kind of wrapped up this home trilogy uh, in the next movie, he's an older Spider-Man. He's got his apartment and all that. I'm hoping it's going to be more of a traditional Spider-Man take with Tom Holland. And it's not going to be so MCU focused, but it's more so going to be just about him doing what he can in New York. And I think we're going to get some of those classic everyday Spider-Man moments that we've been wanting from Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, like I said in uh, our reviews of the Tom Holland one, uh, you know, we didn't, that I did not get enough classic NYC Spider-Man moments. So that last scene with him swinging off out of his apartment was really satisfying really cool to see because you can just feel like oh yeah he's about to go do some classic spider-man bullshit and save the day and save people from getting mugged and and carjackers and and burglars and all that kind of stuff it's going to be fun and it, it is cool too that the world still knows who spider-man is yes. they just don't know who peter parker is i think it was really cool like you said that final moment with uh, ned and mj felt like a perfect like trilogy moment obviously we're gonna get more movies but that felt like a nice cap off to those characters and the fact that he promised that he would come and find them and explain everything and then goes to see her at work and kind of in real time you see maybe he'll do it in the future but not yet and it could be a combination if he doesn't want to put them in any more danger or maybe he sees that you know they actually can have a life you know they're both going to mit so I think it's kind of a combination. He thinks maybe I'll come back to this, but I think for now this is the right thing and maybe I should leave them be for a little bit. I'm excited to see how this will impact his relationship with the rest of the Avengers that are still alive, though, because like we said, the world knows who Spider-Man is, but they don't know who Peter is. So I'm curious how it's just going to impact the way they interact. Is he only going to be able to interact with them as Spider-Man? I don't know. Um, he'll just be a guy that while most of the Avengers identities are public maybe he'll be able to get back on but he'll just never reveal his identity i will have to imagine the quote-unquote you know no pun intended the end game for this idea is that eventually he can go back to dr strange and say hey i know this is crazy to say i'm peter you cast that forget spell on me because the multiverse was crumpling in on itself i think eventually 
that conversation will lead to Strange over time finding a way to reverse it without causing the multiverse to crumble. I think that's probably years off, but I think that's maybe how they end this Spider-Man journey whenever Tom Holland's ready to hang up the cowl, so to speak. One last thing. Uh, Keith, you mentioned it. Of course, you know, you give us the classic Raimi and Mark Webb ending scenes of Spider-Man just swinging through New York. It's not the shitty, like, thing at the end of Far From Home where the camera's under him and pointing into his face the whole time, which I didn't like. This is just classic. And man, the reveal that he's made a new suit that has Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man emblem, but then the colors is Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man suit. I was like, how? <laughs> how? <laughs> how could they make this decision? It was so perfect. He just like was a fan of the other Spider-Men, gave him a hug at the end. It was super sweet. And I was like, I like their suits. I'm going to make one that kind of looks like it. So perfect. And it's we complained a little bit, I guess more so me and Keith, not a lot, but it's like in Homecoming and Far From Home, maybe a bit too tied to the MCU. You know, he feels like too tied to Iron Man. I think this movie, he feels like Peter Parker and Spider-Man more so than the others. And that final moment where he's swinging in a more traditional suit that looks like other familiar stuff was like the final pin where it's like, this is Spider-Man. And going forward, that's the stories we're going to tell. And I can't wait to see him. And it looks like we are going to be seeing him tussling with Venom in the future. mid credit scene, we get to hear Tom Hardy's absolutely garbage accent again. <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> Well, that was interesting because Tom Hardy clearly, I guess, was somehow brought into that mind time. It's like a Venom post credit scene or something. But he was brought into the MCU. But then very immediately in a mid credit scene, the spell, I guess, you know, pulls him back to his universe. And I was like, I was I turned to Keith. I was like, this scene is terrible. This isn't funny. I think I hate this, to be honest. But, you know, all we needed to see was the reveal that part of the symbiote stayed behind. And I was like, OK, all right, let's see where this goes. What I want to know, though, is because I haven't seen the Venom movies. So he gets pulled into this universe and he says, like, I got to go find this Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. Then he gets pulled back. So which Peter Parker is he going to find? Is he going back to his universe where I'm assuming that would be Andrew Garfield? Is there a chance Andrew Garfield and Tom Hardy are appearing together? That's what people are hoping for. But we've never gotten we've never gotten clarification that, like, Andrew Garfield has signed on for more movies. Right. If we get that then maybe that's a safe bet that he gets pulled back into a universe with all this knowledge. Peter Parker's Spider-Man. And then maybe back in his universe, he sees a Spider-Man swinging around and he's like, I'll go, who is that? And then he's maybe he like shows up and he calls him out. Hey, you're Peter Parker. I know who you are. And he's like, what? And he unmasks and it's Andrew Garfield or something. That would be cool. No inclination will get that. So the thing that I guess I'm looking at it is the more important thing is like in the college trilogy, it seems like we're going to see a black suit Spider-Man story, because eventually I have to imagine the piece of the symbiote that stayed behind is going to make its way to Tom Holland. I wonder if Tom Hardy would still be doing the Venom voice for the symbiote. That's actually a really good idea, because I don't know if they can have Tom Hardy and Tom... That's a great idea. And Tom Holland crossover, but the symbiote could still be his voice, technically. Ooh, Austin. That's a good theory. You can get on that uh, some of that Bradley Cooper money, just doing the voice, making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay, so let's get into our second post-credit scene, which was a trailer for Doctor Strange. First time they've done a trailer since the original Avengers in a post-credit. The biggest thing that jumped out at me is it looks like some of the stuff from What If is going to be playing in the live action because we do see the evil version of Doctor Strange. That was cool. That was cool. I did not expect that. <laughs> that was really tight. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, Keith, you talked about wanting to go back and watch Doctor Strange. And after seeing this little uh, trailer, I I want to do that as well. I mean, of course, it was really cool finally seeing Elizabeth Olsen and Doctor Strange interact and the fact that they're going to, I guess, team up to fight the multiverse threat. But then when I was seeing like Chiwetel Ejiofor in his new Mordo look, I was like, I got to go back and watch Doctor Strange. I remember liking that movie, but it was cool to see that it's going to like move the multiverse story forward, but then also have elements of that original movie too it was cool to see them reference westview too yeah yeah and visually i mean we got a lot of different looks in that trailer like lots of different stuff you know sam raimi's directing and i I hope it's good so we can uh, talk positively about sam raimi um but yeah it was a fun trailer yeah i'm excited tilda swinton keith might be back in this one (laughs) (laughs) so when did she die i forget (laughs) in the first like at near the end of the first one oh Yeah. Well, <laughs> you go back and watch that one, obviously. <laughs> All right, guys. So since months ago, we talked about the Raimi movies. And then in the lead up, we talked about the Webb and Garfield movies. Rounded out with Tom Holland and the MCU. And now we've finally seen No Way Home. That's what we were building to this entire time. It's only fitting that we end this journey with our official Spider-Man ranking. So we have eight movies to talk about here. Let's see. I mean, Austin, you want to kick us off? All right, I'm going to go number one. Spider-Man No Way Home. Nice. I'm going to go number two, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number three, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number four, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number five, The Amazing Spider-Man. Number six, Spider-Man 2. Number seven, Spider-Man 3. And number eight, Spider-Man 1. Oh, yeah. I forgot that you you like three more than one. That's interesting. I just think one has aged so poorly. That's fair. That's And I think, think one has the worst... Uh, Toby Maguire as Peter Parker moments for me. And it'd be an old lady with a stick to get these cranberries. <laughs> Classic Toby. Um, all right. So my list this is gonna be fun. Mine's actually very different. So um the amazing ones moved up a bit in my estimation, but we'll see. So number one, it's not just nostalgia for me. I think if I see No Way Home more, it could be my number one, but for now I think number one is Spider-Man 2. Uh, I just think it's just a perfect superhero movie. Number two, I wasn't expecting to be this high, to be honest. No Way Home. It was perfect. So much fun. Action incredible. And the way they brought everybody in felt like a great continuation. Number three, Spider-Man. Number four, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Come on, guys. It's better than the original. Number five, Far From Home. Number six, Homecoming. Number seven, Amazing Spider-Man. And number eight, sorry, Spider-Man 3, but I got to put you last. So you're a bit lower on the majority of the Tom Holland movies. A little bit, and I was surprised. I really thought Far From Home would be higher. but I thought it would be, too. I guess the problem is in our rewatch, like we all kind of said, I really liked Amazing Spider-Man 2. And even though it's, um, even though Amazing Spider-Man 2 is four on my list, that's I, it, I was, it would have been last if we hadn't rewatched it. So, yeah, I think I got to put it above Far From Home. All right. Uh, mine's somewhat similar to yours, Matthew, in that the first two are the same. Spider-Man 2. Number one. Number two, No Way Home. Number three, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number four, Far From Home. Number five, Spider-Man 1. Number six, Homecoming. Number seven, Amazing Spider-Man 1. And number eight, Spider-Man 3. Okay, yeah. Pretty similar there. I like that. I think good lists here all around. Um, I will say, though, already... My only selfish thing is I'm pissed that this isn't also on Disney Plus because I want to watch it again so bad. <laughs> All right, guys. So before we finally close out here, 
Let's give some awards out. We like to do our Arnie Awards at the very end just to shout out some of our favorite things or least favorite things. So, Keith, you want to start us off today? This one's an easy one for me. I picked it as I was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm giving the Tobey Maguire back award. It's coming back to <laughs> Tobey Maguire. He came back and he hurt his back again. So <laughs> it's gone to Tobey Maguire once. It's gone to John Wick once. And Tobey Maguire is getting it again. It's only fair. Maybe, but it might be fixed now after his little moment with Andrew Garfield. He just needed like he just needed to be popped once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I am also going to be giving an award to Tobey Maguire. Oh. Uh, we've talked about it in the past. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got issues with Tobey Maguire's face. I'm going to be giving the dopiest smile award, actually the dopiest face award, <laughs> Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. <laughs> Seeing him standing next to Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, I was like. That's not Peter Parker. That's Tobey Maguire. So the dopiest face <laughs> award goes to Tobey Maguire. <laughs> All right. I, I thought you were going to, I got to say, I thought you were going to give him the Mark Hamill most improved award. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> it's, un, it's an unspoken award. Uh, for me, I have to give one that I had no idea I was going to give uh, while watching the movie, but it's the Prospective Best Buddies Award. And now that they're both cured, I think we can get some Norman Osborn and Otto Octavia, some little friendship burgeoning between them. <laughs> Clearly, they know of each other whenever they first see each other. They're talking about uh, how smart well, they, each they of them is. They were business partners, right? Yeah. I don't, I, maybe at one point. Yeah, yeah. they were business partners universe. and they had a falling they out, knew. yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I think going back in time, being cured, not being killed, fighting Spider-Man, they could become best buddies. I think it could happen. Maybe they'll join... Uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and they'll become a, a threesome crime-fighting unit. Spider-Man 4, come on, make it! <laughs> <laughs> so with that, this was a huge episode. We were so excited to do it. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and this series of our Spider-Man rewatch, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming episodes. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow the show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next week to do a breakdown of the Matrix trilogy, as well as review the brand new Matrix Resurrections. This will be our last episode of 2021, guys, so how are we feeling about it? It's crazy that 2021 is already here. We're already actually fastly approaching our two-year anniversary of this show, which is insane. Um, I have watched The Matrix 1 and The Matrix 2 all the way through for the first time. Gotta say, Matrix 1 is pretty good. Uh, not sold on Matrix 2, though, so I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous for Matrix 3. Very fair worry. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's gonna be a, it'll be a good one to end off the year. It's cool seeing Keanu Reeves playing an actual character and not just kind of playing like himself like he does yeah. in John Wick. So that's been yeah. fun for me. I need guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> It'll be an interesting conversation. Like Austin mentioned, that first one is highly regarded. Sequels, not at all. I hope the new one's good to give us a little bit of something good to end on. But either way, if it sucks, then we'll just go out with the year in a, a laugh fest. So we'll have a good time doing that episode regardless. And lastly, we want to hear from you guys. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of No Way Home? Who is the best Spider-Man? Andrew Garfield. (laughs) Are you excited for The Matrix? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right. So everybody, we'll see you next time for Matrix. In the meantime, have a happy holiday. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. And for the final time, my friends, uh, my back. 
Godspeed, Spider-Man. Good job, Toby. (laughs) 